We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. We are going to be in the book of Daniel. So everybody, if you want to turn to Daniel chapter 1, we're going to, st- we're going to stick in there. We're going to take a look at the book of Daniel and, and we're going to talk about how, standing out. We're going to talk about standing out in the right ways, at the right times, and for the right reasons. And to start, we're going to be, uh, we're going to be in Daniel 1, and I'm going to give you some kind of backstory here. So Nebuchadnezzar is king at the time, and he's a bad dude. He's a real bad dude. He's an evil king who destroyed Jerusalem. And he didn't just destroy the city. He burnt it down. He burnt it all down. The temple, and then as if to rub it in their faces, he took all of their religious symbols. All the cups, the bowls, the incense holders, and all the various utensils they used for sacrifices. And he took these things and destroyed them, or destroyed them, either took them and brought them back to Babylon or destroyed them. And it was to say, it's kind of like put, put it, shove it in their faces, like the worship of your Yahweh, the worship of your God is so obsolete. I'm taking out anything that even matters remotely close to the worship of the one you say is the one true God. So then not only does he destroy the temple and all the religious symbols to make it even worse, he said, I'm going to destroy your future too. He told his Babylonian leaders to go and find the sharpest and brightest sons of the royalty and nobles and bring them to me, to Nebuchadnezzar. And I'm going to indoctrinate them with my Babylonian or Chaldean culture. I'm going to train them for three years, and I'm going to make them future leaders of my government. That's pretty evil, right? That's a little bit of the backstory, But we're going to read Daniel 1, 3 through 5 right now, and that's going to kind of re-explain a little bit of what I just said. So Daniel 1, 3 through 5. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles. Young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank, and three years of training for them, so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. So check it out. He's going to teach them the language and the the literature of the Babylonians or the Chaldeans. So in other words, I want them to speak and think like we do. And so here's what we need to take notice of. It's a very intentional and strategic plan to indoctrinate these young boys into the Babylonian culture, right? The king wanted them to think and behave 
and believe the exact same way the Babylonians did. And this, I believe, is much of what Satan does to us today. Right? He wants us to think, behave, and believe like he does. He wants us to submit ourselves and surrender to the world's systems. We need to be aware of these spiritual attacks. Satan lies and he deceives in order to lure people away from God's best. That's what he does. And he wants us to live according to his low standard. And that's why I would argue with all my heart that it's impossible to be a sort of Christian and have any sort of success in this world. It's impossible to be a cultural Christian and have any sort of spiritual success. So what is a cultural Christian? A conversation with a cultural Christian might go something like this. I'm going to play two parts here. Do you believe in God? Well, yeah, I believe in God. So are you a Christian? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian. I go to church on Easter and other holidays. Is there any outward visible sign? Well, you know, I'm a, I'm a good person. I try hard. Of course, I mean, I'm not some religious weirdo. You know, some people take it too seriously. But yeah, I'm a Christian. It is impossible to be a sort of, kind of, cultural Christian and have any sense of spiritual success and victory against the temptations that Satan has for us. You can't just be kind of, sort of in and have the victory God wants us to have. It's like saying, could you work out one time a year and achieve a physique like this? (laughs) Or gentlemen, could you tell your wife one time a year, I love you. Is that going to work? Huh? Is it going to work? No, no, no. It's not going to work. We got to make the presence of God a priority in our lives. We've got to make the presence of God a priority in our lives. Paul says in Ephesians 6, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and the belt of truth. When your shoes are prepared with the gospel, the readiness of peace, you put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Sometimes we have to take a stand for things that matter most. We have to do it in the right way, at the right time, and for the right reasons. And I'm going to submit to you that if you're never standing out and 
you're always blending in, then you're not truly committed to follow Jesus. Because when you follow him, you're different. You'll be set apart. The word holy means to be set apart. That's, that's what holy means. Be holy as I am holy. God says that. And there's times when we have to stand out. And if we're truly following Jesus, we have to do it. And that's what we're going to see happen in the life of Daniel and his three buds. So let's take a look at verses 6 and 7. Let's move down a little bit. We're going to take a look at 6 and 7. Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. So why do you think they changed their names? How old were these kids anyway? We don't really know for sure. Uh, Most biblical scholars think they were between 12 and 15 at the time. And so the first thing the king does is he strips their identity. Because their original names are all tied to the worship of Yahweh, the one true God. And all their new names, they're tied to false pagan gods. So every time someone calls you by your name, there's a reminder, right? You're supposed to be serving these pagan gods. Every time somebody calls you by your name, oh yeah, you don't serve Yahweh anymore. Stripped of their identity. Much of what Satan does to us today, right? Tries to strip us of our identity. Then, they're going to change their diet. You're supposed to eat foods that were prepared from the king, right? The problem was that the food that was prepared for the king was dedicated to their pagan gods. It wasn't necessarily the food in and of itself but it was that it was dedicated to the pagan gods before it was served. And this created a problem for Daniel and his friends because they wanted to honor and worship God in every way possible. And so to eat or drink anything that was dedicated to a pagan god would cross the line. In their minds, that's going to be disrespectful to God. Let's take a look at verse 8. Verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Daniel resolved to not defile himself. He resolved to not defile himself with the king's food or wine. And I want you to take notice of this. Daniel didn't fight back when his name was taken. 
I'm not exactly sure why. I'm guessing it's because he's like, you know, hey, you can call me whatever I want. I know who I serve. I know who I am. But, but we don't know for sure. When you take a stand, Daniel, like Daniel, you take a stand so that God's name might not be defamed. He says, I'm not going to let you insult the name of my God. I've resolved to not defile myself with this food. And here's the key. He made a predetermined resolution. A predetermined resolution. Before the temptation was ever there, he predecided what he would and what he wouldn't do. And that's why he was successful. Had he not predecided, put the food in front of him, he could have done something like maybe what I've done many, many times, right? And compromised or rationalized. You know, he might have said something like, that looks good. Or the ever famous, I can do this just once. God will forgive me. I can do this just once. God will forgive me. How many of us have said things like that? He predetermined, he resolved in his heart ahead of time. He made a decision that when he was going to be faced with temptation, do what was right. And I think that our success in many different spiritual avenues are going to be determined by what we decide ahead of time. Many of us need to predetermine in our hearts, no matter what happens in the future, I will always do such and such, or I will never do this. I will always do that. I've pre-decided to serve God and honor Him in this way. And this is going to look different for all of us. Some of our predetermined resolutions may look similar to one another, but for the most part, they're going to be different. Some of us may predetermine not to do things we used to do, like drink or do drugs. So we stay away from people and places that trigger those desires. Or maybe we say, I'm not going to be involved in any sort of discussion at work where people are putting each other down, so... I'm just going to walk away when that starts to happen. Last week, when Amy and I gave our our testimony, you heard how we moved in together and started living like we were married when we weren't. And when we felt the conviction of that, we made a predetermined resolution to stop and not do it anymore. We might also predetermine what we're going to do, not just what we're not going to do. You know, I'm going to go to church every week. I'm going to wake up a half hour earlier and spend that time in prayer. I'm not going to watch rated R movies anymore. Again, these things are going to look different for everybody. It's between you and Jesus. You decide ahead of time for the temptation. I've resolved in my heart before the event ever happens. 
every now and then because of what you've predecided to honor God, you'll have to stand out. And if you're never standing out and you're always blending in, you're not fully, fully following Jesus. And that's what these boys did. I've resolved in my heart not to eat this food that's been dedicated to pagan gods. And what this sounds like when we read this is this is a one-time event. We read one little verse and we don't realize that day in and day out, week in, week out, month in, month out, year in, year out, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, they stood out. As a matter of fact, scholars think they followed this diet for the three years, the three years of testing. We only got to do it for three weeks, y'all. Three weeks. Come on. These guys did it for three years. I think we can do, do a little something for three weeks, right? If we're fully following Christ, we're going to find the closer that we get to him, the more often we're going to be standing out. And we're not going to be ashamed of it because of what he's done for us. Now let's check out the wisdom of Daniel. We're going to read verses 12 through 15. Verses 12 through 15. Please test your servants for 10 days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants. So he consented with them in this matter and tested them ten days. And at the end of ten days, their features appeared better and a fatter in flesh. I don't know if I like that word, but than all the other young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. What did they not do? Instead of making a big protest or a big throwing a fit or making a scene, with wisdom they presented a plan. Respecting the authority above them, hey, can we try something else? So we can stand out for the right things in the right way. That's what that tells us. Or you can stand out for the wrong things in the wrong way. Some of us, some of us stand up for the worst things at the wrong times, right? What about the Facebook Bible police? Do we got any Facebook Bible police? Don't raise your hand. If you're, if you're the Facebook Bible police, anytime someone says something, they're stabbing you with the word, they'll say it the Lord, or turn and burn, you know? You're going to hell! Where the worm never dies and there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Facebook Bible, please. Mm -mm. We have to have wisdom. God's worth taking a stand for. Right? He's worth taking a stand for. And we have to decide how we're going to do it. Or is is this something that's not a big deal? Or is it? You know? As a pastor 
or minister, I'm supposed to stand out, right? If I'm not, I'm not an effective pastor. I'm not doing my job right. When I was uh, going to Bible school and working at a restaurant, it was a, a, a good time in my life. I would uh, go to work and I would make it a point to before I would go into work, I would ask God what he wanted to do that day at my job. And I would take my, um, my note paper there for taking orders. I've been out of the business for a while. Wow. <laughs> my note paper there for taking orders and I'd write things down what I felt he was saying to me. And I'd speak to people about him. Sometimes um, I'd get looked at kind of funny. But sometimes uh, the Lord would work in miraculous ways. I had lots of co-workers who ended up coming to church and, and uh, getting saved. And I've watched lots of people get healed. And these things happened to some degree because I had the wisdom uh, to seek God and stand out in the right time and in the right ways and for the right ways. All of us have these opportunities every day. We've got to pre-decide. We've got to pre-decide. I've resolved in my heart, this is where I'm going to be different. This is where I'm called to be different. And I don't care if people make fun of me, and they will make fun of you. This is what God's calling me to do. Let's take a look at verse 19. Then the king interviewed them, and among them, among them all, none was found, like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they served before the king. This is awesome. This is, this is one of the best parts. He found none equal to them. And also, I like how it uses their Hebrew names. We have a tendency to call them, what? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We have a tendency to call them by their Babylonian names. But the Word of God doesn't do that. It tells us what their Babylonian names is, but after that, it always uses their Hebrew names. Think about this. Had they compromised and not had the courage to stand out, nothing historic would have happened. Nothing at all. I don't know about you, but I would rather be known for standing out than for blending in. Amen? Because if you're always blending in, then you're not fully following Christ. We don't stand out to make a statement. We don't stand out because he calls us to be different. If the byproduct is a statement, then so be it, right? The byproduct is a statement, then so be it. But we're going to put on the full armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, the belt of truth. Our shoes are going to be prepared with the gospel of the readiness of peace. And we're going to take a stand against the enemy's attacks. Will you guys stand with me?
And so why do we stand? Because Jesus stood. Jesus stood and he died for us. And he's called us not to be conformed by the patterns of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. It says, then we'll be able to test and approve what his will is. His good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. And that's what we want. His good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. Father, we love you, Lord. We thank you for who you are and what you do in our lives. Jesus, I lift up every person in this room. And I ask that you would touch them right now. Even right now, begin to draw us in. Help us with those pre-decided resolutions. How are we going to stand out? How are we going to stand up in the right ways at the right times? Father, we love you. We love you, we love you, we love you. As the band plays, Amy and I will be up here should anybody need any personal prayer. But I'm going to pray a prayer of dismissal over you guys, okay? Father, as everyone goes today, bless them and touch them. Keep them safe this week. Put a hedge of protection around them. We pray blessings over every person in this place, Lord. I pray this week that every person have you on the forefront of their hearts and their minds. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.